Avi on Money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Welcome to 101.9 Hi FM, I haven't been on air for a week and I've already lost my rhythm. Well, thank you very much for, for listening. Thanks for staying with us. Um, and I hope everybody had a good hug and a good, and a good yontif. And, uh, we've now in that period where we're going towards the end of the year. Um, I was in the office yesterday and a guy walked past me and he stuck his head into my office and he said to me, there are no yontavim until Pesach. Now, I don't know if he was excited about that or was just stating the fact, but um, I said to him, no, we do have December coming up. It's not exactly a Jewish holiday, but it's definitely a time just to relax and recharge. But from now until uh, December, I always uh, use the analogy, and any of you are marathon runners would know, we are like now kilometer 32, 35, where you can smell the finish line. But it's a hell of a slog to get yeah. there. And that's where we are. Anyway, welcoming to studio today is Nick Smith. Um, Smith, sorry. Welcome to Chai FM. Thank you. And sorry, I apologize. I had you before. Your name is? Dando Natata. And Tando, welcome. And you represent the SAB Foundation. Yes, that's correct. Correct. So let's start with you. The foundation, we, we did have an interview previously. We went through it. But in a nutshell, what is the foundation all about? Why was it established? And what does it do? So the SAB Foundation, we were established in 2010 as part of the BEE transaction through Zenzele. We are shareholders in SAB. Um, and so we receive funds through the dividends that we get there. And we Can I find a way to come for the beer or do we hand it out at the end of the show? Next week, Monday. (laughs) Um, And so, yes, no, we do not make the beer. (laughs) Please, can I make that clear? So we invest. um, And there are no freebies, so we shouldn't, like, people shouldn't line up outside. No, not at all. Otherwise, the foundation won't have money. (laughs) We need that money to invest in entrepreneurs such as Nick, um, you know, and the rest of them. So we invest our our funds in in entrepreneurs. Um, The last time I was here, we were really talking about the uh, Social Innovation and Disability Empowerment Awards. Um, and we were, you know, we were just recruiting at that time. It was roughly six months ago. We've now come to a point where, you know, we have the applications, we've vetted them, we've done site visits, um, and we've selected our top uh, 24 in total. So we have 18 under the Social Innovation Awards, and then the six that fall under the Disability Empowerment um, Awards category. Um, and I just want to get into some of the amounts of money that we'll be investing this year okay. um, in the in the entrepreneurs. So, in the disability empowerment um, awards category, we're investing 3.1 million. Um, we're only announcing, you know, the winners next week Monday. We have the awards. How ceremony. many winners are? Let, let's put it bluntly. How many people are going to be recipients, or how many companies are going to be recipients of that 3.1 million rand? Is it just all going to number one, or is it going to trickle down? It will trickle down. Okay. Yeah, it will trickle down. I can't give you the figures now, because Nick is here. (laughs) (laughs) There's some things I can't say in front of him. Uh Um, And then in the Social Innovation um, Awards, where there's 18 people, uh, we have around 6 million that will be... be you know, dispersed to, to those companies or some of those companies. Um, just because I've seen the question just come through um, and, and the terminology that's used there is return on investment. With its money that's being invested, um, are you looking for a return on investment? I'm not saying that the foundation is looking to make a profit, but does the foundation expect these entrepreneurs to make a positive return on the money invested? 
Yes, so the, you know, our, um, because our focus is mainly really social impact, um, and impact, uh, positive impact on the lives of people living with disabilities, um, that's one of the major things that we look for. So we look for companies really that make a positive impact, uh, in society, but we're also looking for companies that have the potential to create jobs within the economy as well. Um, and that's in line with the, you know, with the, with the launch of the new SAB entrepreneurship programs, um, which is sort of an umbrella, um, throughout SAB um, itself. Okay. We, when, when is your big day? When are we going to make the announcements? When will people know who's who? Is there a particular launch date or final date for submissions? Monday, the 23rd of October, we will know. Is there going to be a big do and a big event? Because yes. I haven't got the invitation for that yet. You shall receive it. I will make sure of that. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> you know, there, there are many invitations that I get. I, I don't go to a lot of them. Otherwise, you can actually end up going to many, many yes. events. And uh, I know there are some permanent uh, full-time journalists who that's what they do. And it's, it's quite empowering to see them going from event to event and really reporting on it positively. But this is something that I think is just so amazing because – you, you've been able to take a different angle on the whole um, social innovation um, space, whereas it's often looking for companies that are going to return, companies are going to employ people. You, you've brought a whole human element into it, which is just phenomenal. Yes. And um, I, I'm really biting at the chaff here because I, I, I want to get to uh, I want to get to Nick because he's playing with all these goodies in front of me and uh, um, can, can we go to Nick now? Sure. Okay, so Nick, just tell us about yourself, who you are, how long have you been out of jail now? I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're a young guy. By looking at you, you clearly have a challenge or two that I don't have. Um, just tell us who you are and who the young lady Nicole is and what your story is. Okay. Thanks. Um, my name is Nick, and I've got cerebral palsy with hemiplegia. Um, basically, what this means is the whole left side of my body is affected. Um, so those of you out there who know what gross motor means, I can move my legs and arms, but I can't move my fingers or my toes, my ankle or my wrist. Um, so that's um, the challenge that I have. Just just on your left side? <clears throat> yes, on my okay. left side. Were you and born that way? No, it was as a result of a car accident when I was six months old. Wow. Um, and with it, I have what I call my 50-cent limp. And, um, you know, the my left arm that does its own thing. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm I, I, I meant to be PC, and sort of, but sitting here with you, there's just something so magnanimous about a person like yourself where, you know, we can sit here, we can joke, but I'll, I'll get in and I'll get on with my life after the show, and this challenge will remain with you. Mm. Yes. Are there times where you just feel like, bloody hell, why me? Um. Obvi- the Latin. No, obviously, um, I do, but I try and uh, minimize those as much as I can. And, uh, you know, because I've had this my whole life almost, um, I've learned to watch out for that. And, uh, as soon as I feel down, I start looking for positive things that have been happening. Um, and then also I always see my disability as an empowering tool. So instead of it holding me back, I see it as something that pushes me forward. And that motivates me to do better, to achieve more. Um, my mantra in life is the greatest risk is not taking one. And so that's what just keeps me going. It's unbelievable. Just to share with you, and maybe you'll know the lady's name, 
But I watched a clip last night of a stand-up comedian. She's actually a sit-down comedian because she was born with cerebral palsy, pain from a birth, um, a, a labor problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gets up and she just says, well, if there's anybody who's disadvantaged, it's me. And she goes on, well, I'm Arab, I'm Palestinian, um, I've got cerebral palsy, and I live in New Jersey. <laughs> Obviously, living in New Jersey is not the right thing to do yeah. in America. And she just goes on, and she speaks her whole life story about mm. how there's this Arab family living in the neighborhood that's fully Italian. And, they're the, and she just goes on, and she brings real-life events in that you see the audience, and I keep paying to audience, I'm not quite sure whether to laugh or not to laugh. Yeah. And she's like, no, that was funny. Yeah, you made, yeah. you made to laugh, you know. And it's just unbelievable how someone just lays the cards on the table. These are my issues. Yeah. And then just goes on with laugh. And the more I listened to her, what I was riveted about was her intelligence. The mm. fact that she couldn't keep still and she, she was attractive and she was beautifully dressed and well turned out, but just intelligent. Mm-hmm. And whatever she said, you, you, you actually had to concentrate because it wasn't throwaway nonsense. Yeah. It was just very, very clever. But she took this disability and she brought it to me. And it's so weird how I'm sitting with you today and explained what cerebral palsy is and how she got it and how she does and how she gets mm-hmm. through a day. And, and all of a sudden, you know, she's more than a stand-up comic. She's, she's a life coach mm-hmm. because all of a sudden I was, I was enriched by listening to her. And anyway, just just as a side, and you know, Nick also you mentioned that you had this accident at six at at, at six months old. Yeah. Um, I've got a friend who's a Zimbabwean guy I met a couple of years ago who walks around on crutches, and he's terribly distorted. His back is bent, and mm-hmm. um, so his upper part of his body is incredibly strong, and his arms work perfect, but his legs, just as you said, do their own thing. Yeah. And we ended up at a guy called Doctor Fersfeld, who's a top top orthopedic surgeon. And he talked, told the doctor that uh, he had um, a car accident when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. That's what he was told. And the doctor came out and said, you never had a car accident. You had polio. Wow. And I just looked and had a look at it because that was preventable. Yes. He didn't have to have polio, but there weren't inoculations, obviously, in a rural village in Zimbabwe. Today is a top SAP consultant mm-hmm. here in Johannesburg. Um, and he was offered all the surgery to try and get him right. And he went home and discussed it with his wife and came back and said, no, we cope just well as we are. The pain of going through the surgery and the trauma isn't worth it. Uh And I just sat there and I thought, like, this is one time in your life where you mustn't think. It's their decision. Yeah. And you Mm -hmm. must just absolutely respect it and embrace it. Because you have no idea how they got to that decision. Yeah. Nick, you've taken what God dished out to you and you've got all this paraphernalia here. Where did the company start, and what's your relationship with Nicole? Are you are you business partners? Did you meet together? How did you come up and come up with the Smirgos company? Okay, um, well, it was back in 2012 um, when I was racking my brain for a gift for Nicole's birthday, and um, it had been going through my mind for weeks. Nicole's wheelchair bound. Yes, yes, okay. Nicole's wheelchair bound, uh, and that's a birth defect. Um, 
So I was racking my brain for a gift, and I couldn't think of anything. And then 7.30 on a Saturday morning, um, I shot up out of bed, and I had it. That's exactly, I knew what I was going to get, and it was a wheelchair bag. But not just a wheelchair bag that could hold the things, um, but something that could become an extension of her personality. Um, because one of the big problems she has is she keeps things on her lap all the time. And they always slip off, get lost or broken. And so obviously I wanted to prevent that. So as anyone would do, I hopped onto Google and I tried to find it. And I found some local um, products, but they weren't very good quality and they were very few and far between. And then I did find some overseas, but they were crazy expensive. And so I took an opportunity. I saw a gap and we've been working at it ever since. What did you create? Um, we started with wheelchair bags, um, so we've got three. Um, that's the BBF, the best bag forever, um, and that's the um, bag that you're going to use on an everyday basis. Right. So if you're going to the shops or you're going to the beach, wherever, um, it's meant to hold those kind of items. And then we've got the school bag, um, which is for school children who uh, want to put, you know, their files and space case and things like that in their wheelchair or on their wheelchair rather. And then we've got uh, the sneaky bee, which is a sneaky bag because it sits uh, behind your legs. Um, and that's basically a man bag or a handbag holding the small items um, like your car keys, wallet, cell phone and things like that. Nick, we need to run to the shops. When, I, when we come back, the, the two things that I'm really interested to understand is, number one, I want to go through the whole business process. Okay. So you shot out of bed and you went into Google. But how did that relate to you actually starting and making the stuff? Yeah. Second of all, um, we need to try to describe what we've got in front of us. Okay. And we'll take some photos and we'll put them on Facebook so people can see them. But then what's the business model? So you, you've got a good friend, a gift. And that became a business. But a business has got to be more than a fuzzy feeling. Yeah. How is this going to make profit? You're clearly sitting here with the foundation because it relates to a business story. Yeah. Um, and, and let's take it from there. And the reason I'm so keen on doing that is that we have so much skill in this country. I often look at the guys making the metalwork bead story. Mm. And if you look at the detail, I doubt that guy's ever seen a lion in his life. But the, the 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 image of that lion is is almost as if you grew up looking at lions every day. The skill is phenomenal. Yeah. And yet they harness it in a very rudimentary way, sitting on a corner, hoping that you and I will come past and spend a hundred bucks. Your business is at a different level. If you can get it right, we can do so much for other people, which the foundation I think is involved in. So let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment. Abi on money. 12 to 1 p.m. Only on 101.9 Chai FM. Welcome back to 101.9 Chai FM. It's 22 minutes past 12. And in studio with me is Nick Smith, who represents Nicole Vergas and their company, Smurgos, and also Nontando, who represents the South African Brewers Foundation for Social Innovation and Disability Empowerment. That's quite a word. But here, quite a word. But, <laughs> but it tells people exactly what we do. <laughs> exactly it does. And let me just take a moment just to maybe to share with you and, and the listeners why. The moment I saw this, to me it had an emotional effect because many, many years ago, um, it was just a, a strange time in our lives. My wife and myself personally, we were, we were lucky enough to build our home and we were building our home and our younger son kept complaining that his leg and his hip was sore. 
And I remember one day we were in the Pretoria Zoo, but like on the other end of the Pretoria Zoo by the lions. Mm. And he just turned around to me, and I think he was six at the time or five, and said, I'm not taking another step. It's too sore. I'm not taking another step. Now, we've been to the GP, and he said, look, it's growth pains. It's this. It's that. And I remember looking in his eyes and saying, listen, this is serious. This is, you know, and we went back to the GP who then took, sent us to the, the doctor first felt. And he said, I can't see anything, but come back in two weeks. And I was like, what do you mean come back in two weeks? What's going to happen between now and two weeks? And we listened. He said, but in the meantime, listen to the child. The pain is real. There is something there. I'm just not going to tell you what I think it is. Come back in two weeks. Which for a parent was very disconcerting. Mm. And, and our lives were hectic, you know, and this little oak was being pushed around in a wheel, in a, in a pushchair. He had a double pushchair. He had a little sister next to him and basically a fully grown kid. It was just strange. And we come back and we have x-rays and he turns on the, he looks at the screen and like, almost like a eureka moment. He says, there it is. I said, there's what? He says, there's Perthy's disease. I said, okay, thank you. What? On earth is perfect. And he went on to explain that it's a disease that is uncommon but happens in children and they grow out of it. And just at that time was also the Tour de France and the guy who ran it, well, one it was this guy whose surname was Landis. And he had Perthy's disease as a kid. He said, if he can win the Tour de France, your child will walk. He says, but it's a process. And he ended up in a wheelchair for two or three years and his whole physique changed. Went mm. from a really slim little kid to quite a chubby little guy. Um, and all of a sudden, the handy, handicapped parking bay became a very important part of our lives. Mm. Whereas, you know, today I would rather not shop if I can't find a bay than rather park there. Because mm. I know what it's like not to have that bay when you mm. need it. So when I see what you've done here, it, it's just phenomenal. Because it's taking something, as you said, that could be something that's not positive. And turning into something that's incredibly positive. Now that I've spent three minutes talking <laughs> about myself, let's start off with what we see in front of us. Okay. Okay. So just for the listeners, I've got one bag here. It's, it's that's a, a school bag. That's a school bag. So it's the size of a normal school bag. Yes. It's quite narrow though. And it's got a cushioned flap at the back. Yes. So that flaps over the chair. So Oh, the, so your back goes against yes, this and correct. then the bag hangs off the back of the chair. Yes, and it's got the handles on each side, so um, the handles go over the handles of the wheelchair, right. so that um, the weight gets distributed among, uh, along the frame of the chair and not the back of the chair. Okay. Because right now, what a lot of people are doing is they're using normal backpacks that are suited for a person's shoulders or back right. and not for a wheelchair. And so what they have to do is they have to... Um, leave it hanging over the back of the wheelchair, and that's just material. So that ends up tearing and fraying, and that's about 3,000 to 5,000 rand to replace. And with our structure, um, it avoids that completely because now all the strain and uh, weight is distributed on the frame and not on the material. And the frame is designed to take yes, the weight. Yes, And if you're pushing, you'd be putting your weight on that frame. Yes. The bag seems small for what you've just described. I know what my kids take to school, yeah. and it's it's hefty, and they've now got ergonomic bags that that prevent all the back problems, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This this looks like it can maybe take one or two lever arch files, one on top of the yeah. other. It's it's not that big. Yes. Is there any reason that it's so modest in its size? Absolutely. Um, 
when we were thinking about the size, you know, it's easy for um, a person or an able-bodied person uh, to carry something that's too heavy for them. Um, even though that might not be good for their health, you know, you can carry something that's too heavy. Um, but in the case of a wheelchair, you've got to be very careful about weight because if you put too much weight on the back of the wheelchair, the wheelchair is obviously going to tipple, right? And so by making it this size, we're forcing them to pick what they're going to put in there and only carry a certain specific weight. Because if you make it too big, they're going to obviously fill it. And then what's going to happen, they're going to go up an incline, the whole thing's going to tipple, and uh, so that's how we avoid it. We live in South Africa, so my question, next question is going to be, what's about security? There you are, weeding yourself up an incline, and some dude's helping himself to your laptop. <laughs> what, what security do you have here? Um, so what we've done, um, this uh, this example that I have here um, doesn't have it, but what you've added is we've added um, two, two zips, so you can put a lock on the zip if you want to. Um, and then also um, the back of the wheelchair, sorry, the back of the bag here um, has a strap that straps onto the wheelchair. And so if they try and pull this off and pull the whole bag off um, they won't be able to and if they try and fiddle around with it you'll feel it because you've got you know you padding behind you yes yeah that's correct I'm looking at a bag and and, and as again I said it's like me looking at a supercar I don't really know what goes on (laughs) below below the bonnet but clearly a lot of thought went into this because you said the local stuff wasn't up to quality international stuff was deadly expensive I'm just looking at a bag. So I'm going to unzip the top. When I, well, it was unzipped. When I look inside it, it's just one big cavity. Yes. Um, and then there's like a plastic. That's the space case. Oh, it's okay. So that's where their pens, pencils, and things like that will go. Any reason why there aren't different compartments inside and a space for a laptop and space for different files? Um, well, Yes, because um, if we have uh, different compartments, um, some people might find it harder to use. So you know, if you if you want a different if you want a divider, um, we do you know we do do alterations to order, so you can personalize it. Um, but that's why we've left the cavities to also give you flexibility. You know, if you decide you want to put a lever arch file in there, you can, and it's not going to interfere with anything else. Or if you want to put a laptop in there, same thing. You just brought out the big brother. Yes, What's I What's that? You were just telling me that. We've got to be careful about weight. And all of a sudden, Godzilla comes out of nowhere. Um, this bag is the BBF. So this is your best bag forever, the right. daily bag. Um, this is also our top quality material that I've used here. Is the stuff, is the, is, is the, are the bags waterproof? Um, yes. Um, well, 80% waterproof. Okay. Something's never going to be 100% waterproof. Um, so they're 80% waterproof. Um, this is canvas material, similar to the canvas that that's used to make um, umbrellas. Um, So this is very strong and durable, and that's why we've also picked it. Okay. So this is, if I I look at the bottom of it, it's the width of the back of a lever arch file. Yeah. Just to describe, almost as if a lever arch file could fit very snugly in the bottom. Yes. You know, so at the end of your academic year where it's like sort of bursting at the seams (laughs) and you dare lift that little lever because everything is going to fly. It looks like it'll fit neatly over there. Yeah. So, if if someone's in a wheelchair, is this the bag they would carry 
on a daily basis. Um, yes, that's the whole uh, idea behind this. Is um, the BBF you meant to care, uh, keep on your wheelchair the whole time, um, and then you know you take it wherever you go, use it for whatever you need, um, and then also um, with this one, we also have a few extra features like um, we have adjustable arm st- uh, handle straps. We also have a strap that goes around your shoulder, so if an able-bodied person needs to carry it. Um, you put it on and obviously you help the person. Um, and then this is a very, um, puffy cushion. Yes. Um, it's, it's very comfortable, but, um, some people have said that, um, it's too big. And so what we do is we can, again, we adjust the, the amount of, um, cushioning that's in here and we're also making it, uh, putting a zip at the top. So you can choose whether to have this on or take it off. You know, I don't know if I mentioned to you before, and but Sasha Starr, who's the star of the afternoon drive on High FM, has been on radio for for many, many years. Um, is a lady in a wheelchair, and I was actually thinking of trying to be in touch with her beforehand. But uh, you know, what I'd love to do, do is for Sasha to have a look yeah. at everything that you've done, and then maybe give us some feedback because, as I say, it's very easy for me to sit here and be all yes, mm. it's wonderful. Yeah. Walk out of here and I never think about it again. But I'd love to see what, if someone who, you know, is going to face this challenge every yes. single day, how she would, she would deal with it. Okay. And then I've, you've got a little bag. Is yeah. this the? That's the sidekick. So this one that goes under your legs. Uh, no, that's, uh, sneaky bee. This is the sneaky bee here. Okay. Now so this one goes under your legs. Okay. So sneaky bee to describe it looks like what we would call a toiletry bag. You know, before you go to camp in December or you're going camping, you go to clicks and you buy a toiletry bag to put all your junk in. That's what it looks like. And it, it's almost got like the same plasticky material. Yes. And it's got, this one does have dividers, um, that are elasticated so that you can put your car keys and other things inside it, um, you know, to have different compartments for different things. So you don't need to see where it is. You can just reach your hand in and take something out. It's got a clip at the back. Yes. What does it clip around? If it's under my legs, it it clips around the frame of the of, of the wheelchair. Yes. Again. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So that's that. That was the sneaky bee. The, yes. The, the smaller one, which looks that's like the newer one. It almost looks like a casual evening bag, if I can describe it like that. It's, yes. It's, it's slightly mm. bigger than evening bag, and it's something that I, I wouldn't mind carrying around, like on a holiday. Yeah. Just to keep. I don't know, suntan lotion, my sunglasses, car keys, maybe um, a roll-up, a rain, a rain jacket. In yeah. There. So that's your um, sidekick. And it's basically the answer to um, the sneaky bee because some people can't reach um, behind their legs. So then they asked us for um, something that would sit on their lap. So either as, um, you know, to go around their neck or to go around their waist. And so that's where the uh, sidekick, I mean, sorry, the uh, sidekick came from. And um, as you were mentioning earlier, you know, about asking disabled people, asking people in wheelchairs, we do a lot of our own uh, research and development. And that's how we keep, um, you know, updating our offerings and things like that. I was just about to say that, I don't know if you've realized that you've said it numerous times in this interview, we have asked, they have said, we yes. have inquired. And in other words, you know, you aren't a wheelchair-bound chair wheelchair-bound person, but clearly you're in the field, so to speak. Yes. You know, one thing that I say all the time as a financial planner, I hate looking at software developed by actuaries because they never stand in front of a client. Yeah. You know, you, you, you've got to have something that works on the hop. 
you know, it's all good and well for you to sit there and develop software, but I've got to have something that, that I can sit with you and it relates to you. You're an intelligent person. Your time is limited. You just want to know if I put in so much, how much am I going to get out? What do I need to do? No, and I don't know the mechanics behind it. That's yeah, irrelevant. Sure. And that's what you've done. You've done the research. Yeah. Okay. Now we've got all the product. First thing I need to ask you is you've got a very catchy logo. <laughs> Thank you very put much. On, and I see you playing with a whole lot of discs there. Yes. What is it? It looks like a, too little or big Q, a small Q. I'm not quite um, sure what it you're is. You're on the right track. But um, it's actually a, an abstract wheelchair um, because and, – and then it's got a streak at the back because our slogan is inspiring motion. So it's right. a wheelchair in motion. And what's the little wheelchair in front? Um, so that's the back wheel. The big circle is the okay. back wheel and the, the small wheel at the front. Okay. So there yeah. again, it just goes to show I, I obviously couldn't picture a wheelchair properly in my mind that I didn't see it. But it's a very snazzy logo. Thank you. And what I like about it is it's just funky. Yeah. And it, and it also, it, it's just, it's fun. And, and that's what our brand's all about. Right. Now that we've got all that out of the way. Yes. How did you find the money to just start developing all this stuff? Well, f- as I mentioned, we started in 2012, and uh, for the first few years... I take that Nicole liked the idea. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, and, you know, when I came up with the idea first, I phoned her and I said, I've got this idea for your birthday, um, but I've also got an idea that might change the world, be at my house at 3 o'clock, and she was. And so that's when we started. Um, so, yes, we're both very much in this, uh, and obviously it's going places. Um so, um, I've forgotten your question. My question was, where did you find the capital to start? Oh, um, we self-funded it. You know, Nicole's got a full-time job, and uh, so do I. Um, and so we just put money where we could, and we obviously talked to a whole bunch of people and said, you know, we've got this amazing idea. Please, can you help us? And, you know, if they couldn't, they spoke to someone else. And a lot of um, what we did came through and uh, not handouts, but, you know, assistance right. where we didn't actually pay them cash, but we did something else for them or they just did it on the side. Have you made a profit? Um, right now, because of everything that we've put in over the past few years, we haven't reached breaking even point, um, but our products do make a profit, yes. So in other words, you, you, it's costed correctly this, and it's manufactured locally. Yes, everything is local and that's what we want to keep it at. Okay. Again, to break the PC mold, you know, what a bigger organization would be looking at is who's doing the manufacturing? Is it people with disabilities? Is it BE compliant, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera? Have you ticked all those boxes? Um, we are hiring disabled people as we go, and we're also making um, partnerships with disabled organizations. And uh, definitely going forward, we want to not only sell products, um, but also make an impact on the beneficiaries. So those are the people that, um, you know, receive the bags, but also um, people working for us. Right now we have uh, three disabled people working in our team, and that's excluding uh, Nicole and myself. You obviously got hold of all the they got hold of you, and that's the SAB Foundation for Social Innovation and the Disability Empowerment um, Trust, so to speak. Do you really need them? Definitely. Um, I think two things that would really help us. That was us. well answered. That was a heavy <laughs> question. I saw your face there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the time that you looked at me like, I wasn't even looking in that direction. That? But <laughs> um, no, definitely. Uh, I think for two reasons. Um as you can see here with the different colors, we've got a whole bunch of different ranges we want to release. Um, 
and we obviously need capital for that. And a lot, as I mentioned, we self-funding all of this right now. So, um, you know, with their input, we'd be able to do it a lot faster and a lot cheaper as well. Um, because right now we, we have to do everything in small volumes because we don't have the upfront capital. And then also a big thing that we've found, um, throughout a few years is, networking and people know people and obviously SAB is a huge organization with a lot of um, connections which we may not have so you know when it comes to um, doing bigger business deals or anything they may be able to help us with that the way I'm looking at this product now um, it might be a strange analogy but these bags to wheelchairs should be what windscreen wipers are to cars yes you wouldn't buy a car without a do you want wipers well, yeah. how much do they cost? That's not the point. It's almost, you know, how do you expect your wheelchair to be an extension of yourself and a part yes. of your mobility? If, if if you're balancing your blooming files on your lap and exactly. you don't know where your car keys are, and then I just keep thinking this poor person needs to go to the bathroom and the floor's wet and this 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 shouldn't even be a dis- it shouldn't even be a discussion wheelchairs should come yes. with the stuff yes. yeah. and if you know in again to use the car analogy uh, BMW doesn't manufacture their windscreen wipers or a lot of the components in the cars mm-hmm. you know, there are people that manufacture these components the airbags are manufactured by a company in France yeah um and yet when you buy the car you don't care where the components come from yes. as long as it's got everything that you need wheelchairs should come with this and one thing i know from my own experience, it was many years ago, and I don't think it's changed, that medical aides pay for the wheelchairs. It, they don't, it's not an issue. If you need them mm-hmm. and it's designed and fitted, they'll pay for it. Yeah. This should be part, not an accessory, this should be part of the wheelchair. Yes, that's true. You know, when we approached um, early on, when we approached some um, medical aides, they said that they wouldn't cover these because of that exact thing. It's, a necess- it's an accessory, <clears throat> not something that's a necessity. How far have you got with that battle? Um, not very far. Okay, so I think we will, we can take this chat off air, no <laughs> promises, but uh, you know, it, it, I think it's something that evolves. Yes. Um, and it's something that changes and develops. If you look at what was necessity, was not a necessity. Today, the whole idea of preventative medication, most medical aids will jump on that bandwagon because they can rather pay for the prevention yeah. than pay for the cure, which is far more expensive. And in fact, if they can get you to get involved in the prevention, how much better? This here is, is, is just an extension of what they're already paying for. And I think it's about it just knocking on the door all the time, all the time. Um, and, and again, it just, it just popped into my mind. There was a, 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 I can't remember what it was, a movie or a, a, a series that I watched many, many years ago where there was a landlord who had a building that was terribly neglected. And it happened to be a racial issue. It was a white landlord and it was a black tenant, some in New York. And he just wouldn't repair the building. And people were living in squalor. And the lawyer representing the tenants got into this guy's car. And when he got in, he pointed a gun at his head and took him to the building. And at gunpoint, he made him walk through the building and after the tour so to speak the landlord turned around and said I had no idea it was this bad yeah and not only am I not going to lay charges of harassment or whatever is that you, you know you've, you've just done an amazing thing I just thought your hopes were complaining this obviously was a bit of an nefarious yeah. character but sometimes this needs to be shoved in somebody's face to say mm. 
Sir, you sit in the wheelchair. Now take yeah. yourself to the bathroom. But by the way, just have your laptop on your, on your, on your lap. Yes. And all of a sudden, things are different. Dan, I, I see you nodding there. And, and I just want to come to you because unfortunately with the show, we just, we just run out of, sh- out of time. From, from the foundation's point of view, what attracted you to this besides the obvious things? What, what, what made this thing stand out and want you to bring um, Smirgos, and that's spelled M, sorry, S-M-E-R-G-O-S, onto the show. Why does this company appeal to the foundation? Okay, um, first of all, you know, uh, Smirgos really looks at, like you say, something that's viewed as an accessory, but it's actually a necessity for people using um, wheelchairs. Um, I think... Looking at uh, their job creation potential as well because of the local manufacturer, uh, looking at their beneficiaries and how they, you know, they plan to, to take this to the market and other products that they're planning to bring in. But also looking at the amount of investment that they've made in the past, you know, for the last um, five years or so to speak, uh, where they've been bootstrapping. Um, and this is something that when they've gone to the market, they've shown that there's, there's uptake. Um, so somebody really needs to jump in there and assist these guys to say, flood the market, do what you need to do, um, and let's help you to do that. Um, so there's a lot of growth potential within that business as well. On that case, on, 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 that, on that note, Nick, how many wheelchair-bound people, and if, I'm, if that's the incorrect term, tell me. No, it's fine. How many people on wheelchairs <laughs> on a daily basis in South Africa? Well, that exact figure is one of our problems that we faced okay. because they, uh, they don't have uh, the stats to back that up. But you're a businessman. You've yeah, done your research. Definitely. If there were 10 people in wheelchairs, you wouldn't oh, be no, doing no. this. Oh, no, no. You're looking at about uh, 2 million odd in South Africa. Uh, okay. So why I'm stuttering is I'm just trying to do the maths. Let's say our population is 50 million. That's 2.5% of the population is yes. in wheelchairs. Yeah. It's a staggering figure. Yes. And also, as was mentioned, you know, we plan to diversify our products. Um, and eventually, we don't only want to supply wheelchair-bound people, but people with uh, other disabilities like myself, because I want products too. <laughs> what do you want? Um, well, myself, you know. I'm okay, so I'm looking at you. Your right-hand side works perfectly. Yes. Your left hand, your arm is there, but it, it, it's, um, you, you couldn't pick up your backpack with your left arm, for yes. example. Yeah. What would you want if you, if the foundation said to the SAB Foundation, we'll pay a salary for two years, just sit and brainstorm and design. What would you love to come up with? I think, um, as you said, a big thing is what do people see and, and, uh, you know, experiencing on a daily basis. You know, when it comes to everyday small things like carrying two items, um, like if I go to my, um, kitchen and I pick up a glass, I can only carry one glass at a time. Um, or if I'm sitting uh, having dinner, you know, how can I have my food and everything in the right place and not just on a, a, a basic tray um, because then it slides around, but having different compartments for different things. So how that do you it's catch all your steak? Um, with a very, very strong wrist. <laughs> so you're only holding the knife? Yes. Now, clearly, there would be something, because that's a challenge you have on a daily basis. Yeah, mm. there is, and there are products that, uh, again, come from overseas, and uh, I want to manufacture those here. And that's why the partnership is so crucial. Yeah. Because development, even though it might seem simple, and once it's done, you th- everybody says, well, why the hell did I think of that? 
takes capital. Yes. And not only does it take capital, but R&D takes time. Time is money. Yes. Someone has to pay for that time. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you can't expect you to starve to death for the next two years <laughs> while exactly. you're trying to find this thing to cut your steak. Yeah. And that's, and that's where you go from there. Um, there's just so many questions coming through. And the one thing that people want to ask are asking is, you know, if you were the Minister of Social Welfare or whatever the right department would be, people with challenges on a daily basis, be it whether it be wheelchair bound or, um, are they, they, they've got sight impaired, mm-hmm. et cetera. What would you like to see changed on a daily basis in Johannesburg, for example, that would make your life easier? I think um, two things. I think accessibility is a big thing um, for all, uh, you know, different types of uh, disabilities, Um, not just wheelchair-bound people getting around, but everybody. Um, And then also... um, um, just openness and uh, awareness. Uh, you know, when I was um, looking to become or going to study, I chose to be a teacher, and my mom thought I was insane because uh, she said, you know, you're going to stand in front of kids uh, with your disability and then go and uh, put yourself out there. And I said yes because I want to teach them that people with disabilities can do things too. And um, I, that's what I'm doing, and that's what I'm thinking all the time. Is are you a teacher? I am. Mm-hmm. I teach maths, maths every teacher. day. I live on the edge. I'm usually not speechless. <laughs> I usually don't get emotional, but you got balls of steel. Thank you. Because that's putting yourself in. If you want to find the cruelest people in the world, they're kids. For sure. You know, yeah. it's simply because kids see things as they are, and they say it as they are. And you prepared to take that, not risk, but that challenge. And how long does it take in a new class? January starts, you walk into the class. How long does it take for the giggling to settle down and the jokes to get finished? And right, I missed the Smith and now we're going to do Smiths. Yeah. How long does that take you? Um, because I've been doing it for years, I'd say about half an hour. Um, I was thinking of weeks. Half an hour. Um, and the reason for that is, again, something I live by is I want my personality to come across before my disability. Um, so when I introduce them, I, you know, joke with them. I let them know who I am. And also they see me along the corridor be- even before I teach them. Um, you know, I only teach grade sevens. Um, but the grade fours come by and they wave at me and they say hi and we fist pump um, and things like that. Um, and so there's a general, you know, uh, understanding. And then also when I first uh, teach them on the first day, I say very bluntly, you know, this is what happened. Uh, this is the uh, result. If you have any questions, ask. And I, I'm literally an open book. And then for that half an hour, they can literally ask me anything that they've been thinking about or there and then. And uh, I take any and all questions. How do you get around the class? I mean, the school. You, you, you walk with the limp. Yes. Are you able to walk distance without getting too uncomfortable and too painful? Um, yeah. Uh, I have, um, I wear tackies wherever I go and I also have a fitting in my left shoe. Okay. Um, and that works on my stamina. Without the fitting, I'll last about two hours in my job. Um, but with the fitting, I can easily teach five hours. Do you stand or sit when you teach? Uh, I stand. 90% of the time. And the reason I'm asking as an ex-teacher and as someone who's married to a teacher, one of the pivotal things about teaching is standing. Yes. You know, you have to often, the you often lean against the desk because it does get a bit tiresome, <laughs> but it's the dynamism that comes yes. through yes. of the teaching. 
And we, we've run out of time. There's a whole lot of questions running through my mind. We haven't taken any ad breaks, and we're not going to take any ad breaks. Um, where do you see your company in five years' time, and where do you see yourself in five years' time? Um, well, in terms of the company, uh, we've got a whole bunch of different uh, lines that we want to release. We are definitely wanting to go global, um, and there's a need for that worldwide. So that's something we also want to do. Um, we've been in talks uh, with uh, other service providers in uh, you know, rehab centers and things like that, so we'll be distributing our products through there. Um, we also want to open up our own um, Smogos store uh, at some stage, at least one in every province, where we'll... Uh, have all of our products and other people's products, you know, if we don't have them, um, and you're helping disabled people, we'll have those products in, in our stores as well. Um, and then in terms of myself, um, you, you know, as you've, um, been speaking and, uh, as you've found out, like, I'm a very, um, motivated person. So I want to go out there. I want to do this, but I also want to, um, take on public speaking uh, to a, a whole new level. Uh, I've been doing public speaking in small spheres for the past 10 years, um, and I want to take that to the next level. I need to find that lady. I mean, I know Facebook is one of those strange things. You look at it, and then you you come back, and you can't find it. But uh, I need to find that lady's name for you, um, just from the inspiration of listening to her, because... The similarities yeah. are incredible. Mm-hmm. Okay, you aren't from Jersey and you aren't Palestinian. Yeah. But the fact that there was just this incredible intelligence yeah. that she used the disability to voice. One of my incredible. goals, one of my goals in life is to uh, do a TED talk. <laughs> That's where I heard it. Thank you for reminding me. So I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm going to turn the tables on you. You go to TED talk. Yes. And you find it. That's where I heard it last Done. night. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Ntando, just to come back and, and just to maybe round off, this has been a phenomenal interview. Um, you know, there's so much that they can do and I'm all inspired, but the reality and human nature is, is that in 15 minutes time, I'm not going to remember too much of this because I'm going to go back to my life and there are pressing things and I have responsibilities, etc., etc. You deal with organizations like this every day. They turn around to the foundation and say, we need your help. It must be incredibly difficult to say we're going to help A, but unfortunately we can't help B. How do you make that selection? You know, it's a it's a very difficult process. I mean, this year we had uh, over two hundred um, applications, and we've you know trinkled that down to a top twenty four. Um, if you so, so that's roughly ten percent. Yes, and. Everyone is important. Everybody is important. Um, and that's why I think we go through a very stringent, you know, evaluation process. We do site visits. We really verify the information. We do background checks. We, we really need to see that what you are telling us is, um, is the truth. We um, call them the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are. We are. We know everything about you <laughs> once you come to us. Um, and then the final one, you know, we take them, we take them through a workshop. Um, and then they would pitch to an external panel of judges. Um, and I think the debate there really always is you only have a limited amount of money um, in the kitty. And do you want to, the question then becomes, do you want to give 
many companies smaller amounts or do you want to look at something that's got potential for high impact particularly when it comes to growth um and social benefit and would you like to concentrate the funds more um you know in that particular aspect and i think just going back you know to the question that you're asking of if you were minister of social development or whatever and you spoke a lot about um access and uh, the issue of um, employment and, and job opportunities for people living with disabilities. Um, you look at their unemployment rate, it sits at 70%, you know, as opposed to the 25% that we are crying about as able-bodied um, individuals. And so this year, um, you know, the six companies focusing on people living with disabilities really tick those boxes. Um, in terms of access, so we have a guy that's um, that's working on looking at um, making wheelchairs rural friendly, so in rural areas. Um, so there's an issue of accessibility there in informal settlements where the houses are very close together. So it's a bit narrow. How do you make them narrow so they can fit in between the houses? So there's a lot of issues that people are dealing with. I mean, you look at. Um, I suppose those people are the people who get. Dished out those the standard the ones. standard wheelchairs, yes. which having had a child in a wheelchair just don't work. Sure, sure. There's no fitting. There's no break. Yeah, for sure, it might not be accustomed to your back and posture and things like that. Uh, so it's really looking at how do you make that accessible. I mean, he was saying something as simple as something that you know I've I've taken for granted that. The first time he went to the, he he had an accident uh, when he joined the police force, um, and he's saying that the first time he went to the beach on a wheelchair, he couldn't move it because it got stuck in the sand. So how do you put in off-road um, wheels on those, um, you know, and adapt the wheelchair? And we're, not talking, so that we're not talking about mechanized. We're talking about it's, it's somebody else now. No. Yes, because yeah. there is a mechanized one, but that's a two or three million rand. Yes, a, a and how do you make it more accessible? Exactly. Because you don't have you don't have the the funds for that. And we have um, we have, for instance, a coffee shop that's based in Cape Town um, that only employs people uh, living with mental disabilities. Yes. Um, they call Browners and Downies. Um, and so those guys, they really look at uh, adults who have suffered from fetal alcohol syndrome, people with Down syndrome. Um, and, you know, they've partnered with some retail coffee shops now where they're starting to place uh, some of the guys that they've trained in, in, in the traditional retail spaces so they can work because they can work, um, you know, and it's really about accessibility for that. We have guys in Durban that are looking at recycling uh, printer cartridges and they mainly work with people with physical disabilities um, to, to carry out that work for them and they want to expand to Joburg and Cape Town and they have agreements already in place. It's really about setting up in the different cities. Um, and, uh, so, so there's quite a bit. We, we're running out of time. As I said, we, we could keep talking for, for, for another half an hour. How do people get hold of your foundation just to see what you're doing? Is there a website? So on our website, it's uh, www.sabfoundation.co.za. And all our info is there. All our uh, current companies are there. You can see the type of projects that we get involved in. Um, if you fit into that and you'd like to apply, um, you'll get the links. Everything is on, on that website. Smogos, how do we get hold of you guys? Um, same. We've got a website, uh, .com, Um or just drop me an email, nick at smogos.com. Guys, it's been unbelievable. We, we run out of time. Um, please, I'd, I'd love to be at the event when, if, uh, when it happens. Um, nick, my commitment to you is that the show is available. Thank you. Um, even if it's just you want to phone in, let us know what you're doing because there are certainly people who are listening who could do with the product. Yeah. Um, 
I wish you everything of the best. I hope you make a lot of money. Thank you. And um, the product, you know, just looking at your nature, I, I'm certain the product will be well-priced. It will be suitably priced. Make sure you make a profit because if you don't make a profit, the business can't continue. Yes. And if the business doesn't continue, people won't benefit. Yeah. So it's got to be beneficial for everybody. And um, thank you for, for the inspiration. And as a maths teacher in grade seven, standard five, it is the most fundamental year. And it's not just that you broadened kids' minds socially so that they can deal with people who aren't exactly like them. If you give them that maths foundation, you never know what will happen. Yeah. How many years have you been teaching? Uh, this is my 10th year. You've got students who are actuaries, who are chartered accountants, who are engineers, I'm sure. Have any of them come back to you to say, thank you, Mr. Smith? Yes, they have. <laughs> that must be the most rewarding thing in the world. Indeed. And please, God, you should have many, many, many more to come, and many people should stop you in the street, or you should see them in the street in their wheelchairs and think, I've added value there, and I made a profit at the same time. Yeah, for sure. And the foundation, you should just continue to, well, we should continue to buy alcohol responsibly. <laughs> you should continue to allocate the money correctly and to help people like this. And once again, this is the second time we've been on the show, and for me it's rewarding to have had a theoretical discussion and now see the practicality. And I've got 10 seconds left. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Michelle, as always, for putting it together. Thank you for controlling, and we'll see you next week.